0: When God gives you an assignment and you say yes, expect the enemy to attack you. That's next on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Hey, welcome to Abounding Grace with Ed Taylor. Today we're going to do something a little bit out of the norm, and that is bring you a message from Pastor Brady Boyd at New Life Church in Colorado Springs. He spoke recently at our Refresh Ministry Conference. It was so good, we just knew we needed to get this entire conference on the radio as soon as possible. Find your place in Nehemiah chapter 9, and let's see together the influence of faithful leaders.
1: Good to be with you. Turn in the book of Nehemiah. And actually, we're going to be through the whole book. We're going to cover a lot of scriptures tonight. The book of Nehemiah is a fantastic story in the Hebrew Testament about a man who took an assignment. I want to remind you tonight of when you said yes to ministry. And I want you to just take a moment as you're flipping through the pages looking for Nehemiah. And if you can find Nehemiah in less than 30 seconds, you're going to heaven automatically. Stamped it right there, okay? So, it, even takes, it even takes pastors longer than 30 seconds to find Nehemiah, right? But Nehemiah is about a man who said yes to an assignment. Can I just stop for a moment tonight, take 10 seconds? 15 seconds. Can you remember a moment, maybe it was a multiple, multiple moments where you knew? You were going to spend a part of your life doing vocational ministry. You were a volunteer, a pastor, an elder, but you felt called. You felt an assignment was given to you from the Lord. Can you just remember that for a moment? Because this message tonight will be helpful to you if you will keep that in the framework of the message, okay? Nehemiah chapter 1. This is the—I want to talk to you tonight about the influence of faithful leaders, leaders who have decided— to go to the finish line. Anybody in the room tonight that you've already made up your mind that you're going to cross the finish line? Well, your pastor Ed mentioned that in the first message. And I, as I listened to that today, I went, I've made up my mind. I'm 54. I'm I know that's shocking to many of you. I think you're stunned that I'm 54. I've aged so well. But I'm 54. I just celebrated 25 years of vocational ministry. And I've, I'm married to the same woman for 32 years. She is really good looking, too. I mean, she is really, really cute and smart, and I really like her. And I have two adult kids, and uh, they both graduate college next year, so I'm, I'm going to get a raise very soon. Come on, all the empty nesters in the room, say amen to that, right? If you have little kids, I just want to tell you, they're going to go one day. I promise you. They leave at some point. I'm still waiting for mine to leave, but they're, they're, you know, they're going to leave, hopefully, by God's grace. Nehemiah chapter 1, they said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. And the wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. Now, I want you, that's a pretty sobering report, right? It's a pretty sobering thing to hear about the holy city being under that kind of distress. And I want you to listen to Nehemiah's response, his emotional response, Response when he heard the news of Jerusalem. And when I heard these things, I sat down and wept for some days. This was, wasn't just a 10-minute cry, a 15-minute cry. He says, for some days I mourned, fasted, and prayed before the God of heaven. I've been the senior pastor at New Life Church for 14 years, and uh, before that I was a pastoring at Gateway Church in Dallas-Fort Worth, and Uh, And so for, I remember the moment in November of 2006, a Friday morning, I opened up my laptop and there was a story of the founding senior pastor of New Life Church in Colorado Springs on the front page of Yahoo News. Giant bold headlines, pastor dismissed under disgraceful circumstances. Now I don't know anything, I'd never been on the campus at New Life Church, I didn't know anyone at New Life Church. I had no frame of reference for New Life Church. But for some reason on that Friday morning, I was the only one up. My kids were still asleep, it was very early. I remember sitting in that chair, looking at the laptop screen in front of me, and cried. I wept, and I'm not a crier. I don't cry that often, I don't cry cry near enough. And I wept that morning, and I was sad for several days as I heard about the devastating news of the church. And I remember, fast forward several months later, out of the blue, I got called, and they asked if I would consider being the senior pastor. I was was one of the four finalists, and they flew me into Colorado Springs on Mother's Day weekend of 2007. My wife and I went through this two- or three-day interview process with the elders, and it was all done. We were about to get on the airplane on that Saturday and fly back home and celebrate Mother's Day, and... I was sitting at the Hilton Garden Inn on Briargate Boulevard, looking at Pike's Peak out the window. And the Lord spoke to me to open up the book of Nehemiah, and I read the entire book in about an hour. With a cup of coffee in my hand, I read the entire book of Nehemiah. After I finished the book, reading the book of Nehemiah, the Lord said, Brady, I'm calling you to a kingdom assignment, and you're going to come here. And it's an assignment that I have for you. And the reason I ask you to remember that time, that holy moment when the Lord called you, is because if I had known what I was saying yes to, I would have not come. <laughs> Anybody else, when you said yes, you thought you were saying yes to like rainbows, puppies, and unicorns. And, and none of that's been true, right? Especially the last two years. And I remember sitting there, and I, and I knew right then that even though there were four finalists, the job was mine. The Lord spoke to me. It was clear to me. And we flew back home knowing that I was coming. And sure enough, in August of 2007, I became the pastor of New Life Church. And then the church was just sad. It was broken. It was, they had lost trust with leadership. I don't know if you've ever been in that kind of environment where everybody looks at you and nobody likes you. The whole congregation doesn't trust you. They don't know you. I remember those first few months sitting on, on the stage, and we have a big auditorium of people, and I felt absolutely alone, isolated, alone, in a sea of people, because no one knew me. On my 100th day as senior pastor, we had uh, Jack Hayford. Dr. Jack Hayford, was a friend; he's a friend of mine now. He was there as a guest speaker, spoke for me on the Sunday services. We were up in my office, and uh, we were celebrating my 100th day as se- senior pastor, and he looked at me and said, Pastor Brady, things are turning here. Things are going in the right direction here. He was just trying to encourage me, and all of a sudden, my assistant breaks through the door and we were on the second floor and underneath us we heard the sound of automatic gunfire and a gunman came on my campus and opened fire, killed two teenage girls in my parking lot, injured many others. He was he was then wounded. He took his own life in my children's hallway the night before he had killed two YWAM students here in Aurora and before coming down to Colorado Springs. That was on my 100th day as senior pastor. So in 13 months New Life Church was on the front page of every newspaper the lead story of every broadcast for a scandal, a shameful scandal involving its founding pastor. And now 13 months later, we were on the front page of every newspaper, the lead story of every broadcast for an act of violence that was devastating. And I, I thought to myself that night, I now know why God has called me to New Life Church, to be a hospice pastor to a once great congregation. And I thought our best days were behind us. And to my surprise in the last 14 years, I've been witness to a resurrection story at New Life Church. The Lord has multiplied us. The Lord has breathed life back into us, and we are thriving by God's grace. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm saying this to you because I know the last year and a half has been difficult for every leader I've talked to. It's not in the top five of my most difficult days the last year and a half. It didn't even make the top five. People ask me all the time, was COVID and the elections and all the issues facing our nation—was that the toughest year of your life? Brady he went, "No, not even in the top five. While other, you know, I, I used to be in pastors' conferences like this, and I'd hear pastors saying, "You know, we're having a, a crisis in our church because of carpet colors, or somebody had a Facebook blog post against me," and I would just, I would just roll my eyes, quite honestly. And I want to say some. This is a word of the Lord to, and I, I just sensed it so strongly driving up here that there were. Many of you, you need to hear this. Two things, you need to hear this and consider what I'm about to say, because I really believe it's the word of the Lord to you. Your church is more resilient than you think. You are more resilient than you think. And I want you to hear that today as a word from the Lord to you. Your church is more resilient than you think, and you are tougher, more resilient than you can imagine. And I'm standing before you tonight as proof positive that when, the, when God builds the church, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So I just want to encourage you tonight, if the Lord built your church, you have nothing to fear. If you built your church, you're already in trouble. <laughs> So I want to show you in the book of Nehemiah what happens to all of us as leaders when we say yes to these sacred assignments. And there are three attacks that the enemy uses against leaders to distract us, to keep us away from the mission. It's, it was true for our Nehemiah. It is true for you. It's true for me. It's true for all of us. And the first thing that happens when you say yes to an assignment, when you put your hand to the plow, when you say yes to doing what the Lord has called you to do, the first thing he attacks you with is disparagement. Disparagement. And I want to show you this and go to chapter 2 with me in verse 17. So Nehemiah says yes to going. He has the commission of the king. The king gives him an assignment. It gives him the resources and the authority to do the work. I mean, it's a great job because the king himself, has says, whatever you need, let me know. Here's a scroll with my seal on it. It was like a credit card with no limit. Go, go rebuild the place. We need Jerusalem to thrive. And so he shows up with an assignment. So he has responsibility and authority. Listen, very carefully. You can't do your job unless you have responsibility and clear authority. And Nehemiah had both. And even under those circumstances, the first thing that the enemy attacked him with was disparagement. Let me show you this in verse 17. He says, Then I said to them, You see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. So he cast vision, and every leader in the room knows what it means to stand in front of a group of people and to galvanize them with vision from the Lord, to, to tell them what God is up to. In fact, our assignment, listen very carefully, our assignment is exactly what Nehemiah just did. Let me tell you what your assignment is as pastors and leaders. To pay attention to what God is doing in your congregation and tell the people about it. That's it. I just took a lot of weight off of some of you. Because some of you have been trying to live up to these romantic ideas, these these, uh, heroic ideas of pastor, when actually it's that simple. Our responsibility as leaders is to pay attention to what God is up to, because if he's not up to anything, you're going to die anyway. But if he's up to something, then it's our responsibility to pay attention to that, and then to tell our congregation what he's up to. And this is what Nehemiah does. He says... He says, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. And I also told them about the gracious hand of my God upon me, and what the king has said to me. And they replied, I love this, and this is true whenever you get up, and you have a word from the Lord, and you begin to tell your people what God is going to do, the first thing they say is, yes, until the work starts. (laughs) Come on now, somebody say, but our people are not sitting with us tonight. It's okay to say amen to that. Amen? (laughs) So they began the good work. Let me ask you a question. Is it better to begin the good work, or is it better to end and finish the good work? They began the good work. But when Sanballat the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite official, and Geshem the Arab heard about it, they mocked and ridiculed us. What is this you are doing, they asked, are you rebelling against the king? Listen, leaders, the first attack of the enemy is not to attack your methods, but to attack your motives. And this is why pastoral ministry is so painful. It's not that we get critic, it's not criticism doesn't hurt. You know, why did you do that? Why did you make that decision? Those kind of criticisms are easy to deflect, they're easy to talk about, they're easy to absorb. The most painful criticisms that pastors and leaders face is when they criticize your motives. Why did you do that? Are you rebelling? Your nature, your character is at stake. And they disparage your character. They disparage your, the, the, the very core of your being. And, and I, I, I told a young pastor uh, the other day, a young man, he wants to be a pastor, and he said to me, Pastor Brady, I feel like God's calling me to be a pastor. And I said, You need to go back to God and talk him out of it and he said he looked at me like you know like he thinks I'm some kind of like army recruiting system that whoever comes to me I'm going to sign up right away I said listen this is the most difficult thing you'll ever do in your life and 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 if you can talk God out of it you were never called because I tried a hundred times I made bargains with God I'll charge hell with a water pistol I'll do anything you ask me to do but don't ask me to be a pastor Because I saw disparagement. I saw how the pastors I grew up with, I didn't like any of them and didn't admire any of them. I liked some of them, but I didn't admire them. And they lived in crummy little houses next to the church and their wives always looked depressed. And I thought, why would you say yes to that? I wouldn't say yes to that. And I heard the gossip and the bickering, the disparagement of their character. Why would you put yourself in front of people and let them disparage your character? And this is the first question, so Nehemiah has a choice to make at this point. Will these people trust my motives? And we all know this, trust is the currency of leadership. You cannot lead your people past the place of their trust for you. The amount of trust your people have given you will determine how much you can lead them. Is that the easiest way to say that? So in 14 years, I have equity built up with my congregation. I have a bank account of trust. That's good news. The good news is I have a lot of trust with my congregation. The bad news is I can lose it overnight. You think stock market crashes are devastating. You wait till you lose your buckets of trust in front of your people. It's very difficult to get it back. Now, let me just say this to all the young leaders in the room. There's only one way to get trust, and that's to do the right thing for the right reason for a very long time. That's the only. There are no shortcuts. You can be slick. You can be cool. You can be talented. It won't build trust. They may like you, but they're not going to trust you until they see you in action, until they look at your behavior. And this is, what, this is what they're attacking right now. They're attacking this man's character. Are you rebelling against the king? Trying to cast shade, cast doubt on his leadership. If it happened to Nehemiah, it's going to happen to us because you're rebuilding something that's broken. You know this. The American church is broken and bleeding right now. And we've been called back into this sacred community to rebuild something, to re- reestablish something. And we have, we have an assignment. So the first thing the enemy is going to do is attack your character with disparagement. Here's the second one, though. If that doesn't work, he will then de- attack you with discouragement. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 7. But when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the men of Ashdod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead, and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. Let me just pause here, leave that up just for a moment. It's when you think you're having success that you can expect attacks. It's when you're taking ground. Some of you right now are buying property or building buildings or maybe merging with another church. Anytime you begin to expand your physical footprint, you can expect spiritual attacks. I'm telling you, in 25 years of ministry, every time we've ever bought a building, bought property, expanded a building, merged with another church, it was the greatest season of spiritual warfare we've ever gone through as a congregation. And what was happening here is they had begun to take ground. They had begun to expand. And they all plotted together, verse 8, they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to stir up trouble against it. But I love this. Their first response was not fear, was not to take up arms. Listen Listen to their first response. But we prayed. I, I'm, I'm shocked at how many leaders pray as a last resort instead of a, as a first response. Your first response, my first response to any outside attack, whether it's from people, whether it's from the demonic realm, wherever it's coming from, our first response is always to pray. I love that. Sometimes I'll reread this story and I'll say, but we prayed. And then I ask myself, have you prayed really, Brady? Have you, I mean, I've complained a lot. But have you prayed? And don't let your complaining to God be a substitute for praying to God. Some of us have been complaining more than we've been praying these last year, right? Come on, somebody say amen. Confession's good for your soul to that, right? He says, but we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. So notice that the supernatural prayers led to natural responses. No the practical responses. Supernatural prayer will help you see the practical responses that you need to make. And he said, we posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out. They're going to quit. They're not going to stay with you, pastor. You're not leading them well enough for them to finish this race with you. And there's so much rubble. We can't rebuild a wall. I mean, it's just too big a job. I can't believe we said yes to this. Well, you signed the pledge card. Yeah, but I I was just caught up in the emotion of the moment. I didn't realize it was going to require great sacrifice. Have you ever heard these excuses before? This is too big. And he says, the strength of the laborers is giving out. There's so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Now I want you to listen to the whining noise, the whining here. It says, and also our enemies have said before they know it or see us, we're going to be right there among them and we'll kill them and put an end to the work. And then the Jews who had lived near them, I love this, they came and told them 10 times over. Wherever you turn, they're going to attack us. Have you ever heard your old preacher joke that three people left your church, two stayed away, and one remained to tell you why the other two had left? You ever heard that joke? All right, just think on that tonight. It'll be funny later on. (laughs) That's what happens. Somebody always stays behind to remind you of why the other people left. And this is ten times over. uh, Nehemiah, it wasn't enough just to tell Nehemiah once. This person hung around. This person was a professional critic. I have, how many of you have some professional critics? I have some amateur critics in my church, but I have some that have worked hard on their craft. They would have gotten four-year degrees if there was such a course load in universities. They have earned doctoral work in the process of criticizing. They are good at what they do. Anybody else have that same group in your church? They're good at what they do. Listen, when you're having success, expect to be discouraged. I I want you to remember this as a leader because I'm just telling you, I'm so glad the Lord asked me to read the book of Nehemiah before I said yes. But God knows how to give us courage. And and God is your only source of courage, by the way. And the enemy is skilled at taking away our courage. That's what discouragement means it's the skill of taking away someone's courage. It's the Lord that gives me courage to do the work I'm doing. And the Lord is my source, He is my strength, He is my shield. I'm in the palm of his hand. And when he gets tired of me leading his church, he can take me out of the palm of his hand. But until then, no power of hell and no scheme of man, nobody calling me fat can take me out of the palm of his hand. (laughs) If disparagement and discouragement does not work against you, there's one last trick that the enemy has up his sleeve and it's happening right now, real time, right now in the American church. And it's distractions. I say this to my church almost every Sunday. We are a great commandment and a great commission church. We're going to love God, love our neighbors, and make disciples. That's all we're going to do. And that's enough for me. Jesus is enough for my church. I'm not, another, I'm not going to add anything else to my church except love God, love people, and go make disciples. That's the great commandment and the great commission. That's what we're called to do. But the enemy has come to distract us in some cases.
0: That is Pastor Brady Boyd here on Abounding Grace. He's the pastor of New Life Church in Colorado Springs and recently spoke at our Refresh Ministry Conference. He just shared how the enemy often attacks leaders when they say yes to a sacred assignment from God. There was actually more to this message, and you can hear it in its entirety on the Calvary Church app. Just look for Refresh. You can also listen at AboundingGraceRadio.com. We also hope you'll join us in the fall of 2022 when we'll again have another Refresh Conference at Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. Each month we pick out a book that we think can really help your walk with the Lord and encourage you in the Lord. Here in November it's Suffering is Never for Nothing by Elizabeth Elliott. We all go through hard times, and the past year and a half have been rough for many of us living through a pandemic. And maybe you're wondering, why doesn't God do something about my suffering? Well, he has, he did, he is, and he will. Elizabeth explains, suffering is never for nothing. God is up to something in and through it all. Learn all about that as you read, Suffering is Never for Nothing. To get a copy for a donation of $25 or more, just call us at 877-30-GRACE. That number again is 877-30-GRACE. You can also order resources like this at calvaryco.store. Calvaryco.store. Tomorrow on Abounding Grace, our Refresh series continues... And we'll discover what ministry is really all about. May God richly bless you as you faithfully lead in the ministry God has for you. From here to the finish line. This is amazing grace.